Chapter fifty two of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty two. It gives one a curious sensation to stand on the spot where great deeds have been enacted, to tread the halls where true tragedies have been performed, to fancy one sees the bloody stains upon the floor, to fill the air with the grim faces of the actors to imagine oneself surrounded with the fierce passions of other days, like midnight ghosts emitted from the grave. I have stood in the small chamber where the most brutal murder that ever stained the name of a great nation was devised and ordered by the councillors of John of Bedford. I have stood where an act of justice took the form of assassination against Henry of Guise. I have beheld the prison of the guilty and the unhappy Mary, and the lingering death-chamber of the innocent and luckless arabella stuart but although these sights were full of deep interest and even awe the effect was not so strange as that produced by passing through ancient places of more domestic interest where courts and kings the brave the fair the good the wise or the opposite had lived and loved enjoyed and suffered revelled and wept in times long long gone by often when i have read some glowing description of mask or pageant or scene of courtly splendour and have visited the place where it occurred i have asked myself with wonder could it have been here in this mean and poor-looking place and have been led from an actual comparison of the scene with that described in the past to conclude that in those earlier days men were satisfied with much less and that the splendour of those times would be no splendour to ourselves the great hall of Jacques Coeur, the wealthiest merchant in France, now holding high office at the court, and, in fact, the royal treasurer, a hall celebrated throughout all Berry, was indeed a large and well-shaped apartment, but still very simple in all its decorations. It was, perhaps, more than forty feet in length, and four or five and twenty feet in width, was vaulted above with a semicircular arch, sealed with long planks, finely jointed together of some dark unpolished wood the same material lined the whole hall but on the walls the wood was polished and panelled and four pilasters in the italian fashion ornamented each corner of the wall and seemed but only seemed to support the roof many candles were required to give light to that large dark room but it was very insufficiently illuminated what little light there was fell principally upon the figure of the young king, as, seated at a small table in the midst, he leaned his head upon his hand in a somewhat melancholy attitude, and bent his eyes down toward the floor. "'Will she come?' he said to himself. "'Will she come? And if she will not, how must I act?' "'This good merchant says she will, but I doubt it. I doubt it much.' Hers is a determined spirit, and once she has chosen her part, she abides by it obstinately. Well, it is no use asking myself if she will come, or thinking what I must do if she refuse. Kings were made to command men, I suppose, and women to command them. And a faint smile came upon his lips at the conceit. While it still hung there, a door opened hard by, not the great door of the hall, but a smaller one on the right, and a sweet voice said, your majesty sent for me agnes said the king rising and taking her hand agnes why have you left me so long because i have been ill and miserable she answered and the tears rose in her beautiful eyes 
and i have been ill and miserable too said charles leading her to a seat close by his own do you not know he continued in an earnest and sad voice that from time to time a moody evil spirit seems to take possession of me making me sicken at all the toil and pomp of state at all the splendour and even all the gaiety of a court his visits are becoming more frequent and more long there is no one can drive him from me but you agnes can i drive him from you always she asked has he not resisted me lately very lately till i lost hope lost courage and was repelled to take counsel with my own heart and listen to all its bitter self-reproach charles charles oh my king and lord there is nothing can console nothing can comfort under the weight of my own thoughts but to believe and know that you are worthy of better love than mine the love of your whole people take not that comfort from me let me let me believe that passion nor moodiness nor any evil spirit will lead you to do an act of injustice to any of your subjects well well said charles kissing her hand it shall be as you will my agnes you shall decide de brace's fate yourself of however rebellious a spirit he may be however insolent his tone i will forgive him for your sake it shall be as you will nay not so answered agnes gently i ask you not to forgive insolence or rebellion all i beseech you is to inquire unprejudiced and judge without favour de bracy is somewhat bold and free of speech he always was so even from his boyhood but he is faithful and true in all things i saw him peril his life rather than give up a letter to the duke of burgundy i saw him submit to the torture rather than betray to the council the secrets of your uncle the duke of orleans it is his nature to speak fearlessly but it is his nature to speak truly and all i ask of you is to judge of him as he is untinged by the yellow counsels of trimouille or the black falsehoods of that woman of vendome i hear that some paper he has sent you has excited your anger and that you have ordered his arrest before you judge investigate my dear lord remember that he has many enemies that he has offended trimouille who never forgives and that the love of my bright little namesake for him is an obstacle in the way of jeanne of vendome than whom a more poisonous viper does not crawl upon the earth i will investigate answered charles i will judge unprejudiced and my better angel shall be by my side to see whether i keep my word with her not alone not alone said agnes or they will say in their malice that favour for me not sense of justice has swayed the king have your chancellor here he is a noble man and true of heart nay let all who will be present to see you act as i know you will act justly and nobly sternly if you will for i would not have love pleading for love affect you in this manner oh think only my noble charles of how you may have been deceived against this young gentleman how tremouille's enmity may have read an evil gloss upon his actions how jeanne of vendome with her false nephew may have distorted the truth take the whole course of his life to witness in his favour and then if you assoil him of any fault then agnes perhaps may plead for favour to him she shall not plead in vain said charles embracing her some time to-morrow probably the sergeant will be back and i will hear and judge his cause at once for we are lingering in bourg too long 
there is moreover he continued holding her hand in his and gazing into her eyes with a smile there is another cause for speedy decision the king's authority till this is all concluded suffers some contempt a daring act has been committed against our state and dignity and hints have reached us that the traitor is above our power tis policy in such a case not to investigate too closely but to remove all cause of contest as soon as possible agnes sank upon her knees with a glowing cheek and bent down her fair forehead on his hand murmuring forgive me oh forgive me charles threw his arm round her fondly saying thank thee my agnes thank thee for letting me have something to forgive she was still at his feet when some one knocked at the door and raising her gently charles said aloud come in may it please your majesty said a page entering monsieur de bracy waits below to know your pleasure concerning him a slight flush passed over the king's cheek this is quick indeed said charles why does not the sergeant whom i sent present himself there is no sergeant there your majesty monsieur de bracy with a few attendants came but a moment ago and is in the vestibule below with messire jacques coeur let him wait said charles and in the meantime summon monsieur des Arsins hither wait i will give you a list of names now agnes continued the king when he had dispatched the boy i will act as you would have me we must have other ladies here go call some love some who will best support you about an hour after in that same hall charles was seated at the table in the midst with his bonnet on his head and some papers before him the queen was placed near and some fifteen or sixteen ladies and gentlemen members of the court stood in a semicircle round the door opened and ushered in by one of the attendants jean charost followed close by jacques coeur advanced up the hall with a bold free step when within two paces of the table he paused and bowed his head to the king but without speaking monsieur de bracy said charles i sent one of the sergeants of our court to bring you hither so i have heard sire replied de bracy but learning beforehand that your majesty required my presence i set out at once to place myself at your disposal you have done well said the king and we would fain believe that there is no contempt of our authority nor disloyalty toward our person at the bottom of your heart i have proved my loyalty and my reverence sire replied de bracy by shedding my blood for you in the field against your enemies at all times and on all occasions and by lingering in inactivity for long months at briare in obedience to your commands well said the king it is well but there be special circumstances when men's own interests or passions will lead them to forget the general line of duty and cancel good services by great faults charges of this kind are made against you my lord they are false replied de bracy and i will prove them so either in your royal court by evidence good and true or in the lists against my accuser my body against his and god to judge between us he glanced as he spoke toward a slight young man standing beside la tremouille and the king mistaking his look replied with a light laugh our ministers are not challenged to the field for their actions monsieur de bracy la tremouille is a flight above you i thought not of monsieur la tremouille sire replied de bracy i know not that i have offended him and moreover i hold him to be the best minister your majesty ever had because the one who have made your authority the most respected i spoke generally of any accuser 
"'Well, then,' said the king, "'in the first place, tell me, with that truth and freedom of speech for which you have a somewhat rough reputation, have you or have you not just cause to think that a young lady who has been brought up under your charge from infancy, and lately at our court, is the daughter of our late uncle, the Duke of Orléans?' "'I have, sire,' answered de Bracy. "'Then how did you presume to claim the guardianship of her against our power?' said the king sternly as our first cousin legitimate or illegitimate she is our ward my answer is simple sire replied de bracy i have never done what your majesty says and if i had when last i stood before you i should have done it in ignorance for it is but three days since i received from one lomellini abbot of briare then upon his deathbed any certain information regarding her birth these packets should have been delivered to me long before but they were retained through malice. I now lay them before you, to judge of them as may seem meet. Look at them, Desersins, said the king, and the chancellor took them up. I can prove, my lord the king, said Juvenel de Royan, stepping forward, that when last in Berry, Monsieur de Bracy was quite uncertain whose child the young lady was, for we had a long conversation on the subject when he gallantly threw himself into the citadel of this place to aid us in defending it for your majesty silence silence said the king and taking up a paper he held it out toward de bracy saying did you sign that paper sir no sire replied de bracy i never saw it before then whose is it cried the king mine replied the voice of an old man in somewhat antiquated garments standing a step or two behind agnes sorrel i signed that paper of right and advancing with a feeble step he placed himself opposite the king and who may you be reverend sir demanded charles gazing at him with much surprise the man whose name is there written replied the stranger william count of saint florent the only lawful guardian of the girl you wrangle for you took my property and gave it to another i heeded not because i have no such needs now but when you sought to take away the guardianship of this poor girl from him to whom I entrusted her, and to bestow her hand upon a knave, I came forward to declare and to maintain my rights. They have been dormant long, but they are not extinct. Each year I have seen her since she was an infant. Each year I have performed some act of lordship in the fief of saint Florent, and I claim my right in the king's court, my right to my estates, my right in my— He paused for an instant, and seemed to hesitate— but then added quickly and in a tremulous voice in my child the king looked confounded and turned toward the chancellor who was at that moment speaking eagerly to agnes sorrel with the fell eyes of jeanne of vendome fixed meaningly upon them both monsieur des Ursins, said the king you hear what he says i do sire answered the chancellor coming forward you have made your appeal sir he continued addressing the old man and perhaps if you can prove your statements his majesty may graciously admit your rights without the trouble of carrying your claim before the courts you have to show first that you are really the count of saint florent secondly that the young lady in question is legally to be looked upon as the daughter of that nobleman her birth at present is not at all established none of these letters but one prove anything and that proves only a vague belief on the part of a prince long since dead the old man drew himself sternly up to his full height which was very great and said you ask me for bitter proofs chancellor 
methinks you might know me yourself for i first gave you a sword i can be no witness in my own court said the chancellor and the cause if it be tried must come before me stand forward then jacques cur cried the other do you know your old friend right well answered jacques cur advancing from behind de bracy this please your majesty is william count of saint florent i have seen him at intervals of not more than two or three years ever since he disappeared from the court and army of france and have received for him and paid to him the very small sum he has drawn from the revenues of saint florent if my testimony is not enough i can bring forward twenty persons to prove his identity there was a dead silence for several moments but then the chancellor said addressing the king this may be perhaps admitted sire i have no doubt of the count's identity but there is nothing to show any connection whatever between him and this young lady whom the duke of orleans in this letter seems to have claimed as his daughter at these words a fierce eager fire seemed lighted up in the old man's eyes and taking a step forward he exclaimed ay such claim as a robber had to the gold of him whom he has murdered then suddenly stopping he clasped his hands together let his eyes fall thoughtfully and murmured forgive me heaven sire i have forgot myself he said in a milder tone my right to the child is easy to prove i was her mother's husband she was born in marriage i myself gave her into the arms of this young man and he laid his hand upon de bracy's shoulder with him she has ever been till the time you took her from him let him speak for himself did he not receive her from me most assuredly i did replied de bracy and never even dreamed for a moment at the time that any one had a claim to her but yourself nor had they nor have they replied saint florent sternly but it is strange good sir said charles that you should trust your child to the guardianship of another that other a mere youth and from what i have heard well nigh a stranger to you there are wrongs king of france which will drive men mad said saint florent fixing his eyes full upon the king's face mine were such wrongs and i was so driven mad but yet in this act which you call strange i was more sane than in aught else this young man's father i knew and loved before he ruined himself for his king and died for his country of the youth himself i had heard high and noble report from this good merchant here i had seen him once too in the convent of the celestins and what i saw was good i knew that i could trust her to none better and i trusted her to him but can you prove that she is your wife's daughter asked la tremouille for these papers in the hands of the chancellor seem to show and monsieur de bracy himself admits there is cause to believe that she is the child of the late duke of orleans and consequently the ward of the king he spoke in a mild sweet tone but his words seemed almost to drive saint florent to madness his whole face worked his eyes flashed and the veins in his temples swelled man would you tear my heart out he exclaimed in a fearful tone would you drag forth the dead from the grave to desecrate their memory and snatching up the other packet which de bracy had laid upon the table he tore off the cover exclaiming ha these are trinkets poor lost unhappy girl and laying his finger upon the cover he looked sternly at la tremouille saying whose are these arms mine whose are these initials hers marie de saint florent as he spoke he opened the case and gazed upon the diamonds 
oh marie marie he said when i clasped these around thy neck little did i think but no more of that my lord the king what does your majesty say to my just claim i gave my daughter's guardianship to this young man i now give him her hand i ratify your gift of the lands and lordships of saint florent what says your majesty in sooth i know not what to say or think answered charles i think i see my way sire said the chancellor although the case is somewhat complicated if monsieur de saint florent can prove that this young lady is the daughter of his wife he is undoubtedly by the law of france her lawful guardian and all opposition to his claim grounded on other facts is vain so much for that view of the case but even supposing he cannot prove the fact here is a letter from his highness the duke of orleans whose handwriting i well know which though somewhat informal contains matter which clearly conveys the whole of his authority over the young lady if he had any to monsieur de bracy in either case then your majesty cannot err nor violate any of your own edicts or those of your predecessors by restoring the guardianship to him from whom it has been taken under a misapprehension any other course i think would be dangerous and form a very evil precedent trimouille bit his lip and jeanne de vendome slowly nodded her head with a bitter smile toward agnes sorrel so be it then said the king with a gracious look toward jean charost take her back de bracy if you can find her which we doubt not and if you bestow her hand on any one else but yourself he shall have our favour for your sake if you wed her yourself we will dance at the wedding seeing that you have submitted with patience and obedience to a sentence which we sternly pronounced and sternly executed against you in order to teach all our court and subjects that not even those whom we most highly esteem and who have served us best will be permitted to oppose our expressed will or show disobedience to our commands your sentence of exile from our court is recalled and we shall expect not only your attendance but your service also for wedded or unwedded we can spare no good sword from the cause of france he spoke gaily and gracefully and then looking round with a smile he said is there no wise and pitiful person who in charity can give us some information of where our fair fugitive is in my castle of saint florent said the old count who had now sunk down again into the appearance of age and decrepitude and there de bracy will find her to-morrow let him take her and let him take her inheritance also for i go back to my own living tomb to work out the penance of deeds done in madness and despair methinks sire said jean charost who had marked some facts with create which created suspicion it were well that i should go to-night saint florent is very insufficiently guarded and these are strange times nay nay this is lover's haste said charles but as you say there may be danger of rash enterprises on the part of rivals now that her abode is known we will therefore to spare all scandal entreat some fair lady to undertake the task of bringing her back to the court this very night which is not yet far advanced who will undertake it she shall have good escort commanded by this gallant knight himself i am ready sire said jeanne de vendome then i beseech your majesty let me go also exclaimed agnes sorrel eagerly charles looked from one to the other and replied somewhat jestingly both go a litter shall be prepared at once and as moderator between you 
ladies not always well agreeing when too closely confined, I will ask our good friend, Monsieur Jacques Coeur, to accompany you. Quick, ladies, prepare. De Bracy, see for your horses, and on your return you shall sup with us, and we will forget all but what is pleasant in the dream that is past. End of chapter 52